This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonus, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, just visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. It's Marlene, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good? I hope I'm doing good. Everything is good. For those of you... I have to answer this question up front. A couple of days ago on Tuesday, I did a live stream for Mardi Gras. Okay, this is, like I told, the big hurrah before we go into Lent. And at the beginning, I had, I gave my version of the Mardi Gras per, uh, float, which was my tractor with a pull with a rooster and a hen in the back. And everybody sent me an email like, how did you get them to stay still in there? Okay, my chickens are like children. All I have to do is pull something up and they go to inspect it. So... <laughs> The rooster and the hen, they're there like they posed. It was like, wait a minute. This is my this is my my moment of the the my own Mardi Gras float, you know, where I live at. It's uh what is it? Uh, uh a, a little lawnmower tractor with uh one of those so any you guys need to check out it's right at the very beginning if you want to look at the uh at that last episode that came out, Mysteries of the Mardi Gras. Right at the beginning. Yeah, I had my own version of the float. Yeah, it's one of those things. You have no idea. I my 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 chickens come everything I do or say they come to explore and check it out and I or sometimes what I call to supervise. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like you can tell. But anyway, guys, uh, everything everything is great. Everything is good um, around here. Uh, getting into springtime, like I said the last time, because I like I said I missed the boat last year when I moved here. How important planting is now at this time. And uh, all the stores in here, all the garden centers, they are bringing in all the fruit trees, all the, you know, not fruit trees, only trees, anything with bulbs, you know, the blueberries, the blackberries, the strawberries, you name it. And like I said, last year, I missed the boat. This year, we've picked up a bunch of stuff. Um, I've got some peach trees out there that I still have to plant them and they've, they're already coming up with flowers. I've got plums. I'll keep you guys posted on this stuff. You know, so yeah, we're, we don't want to get too carried away, but uh, yeah, we've got a lot of things going and let's see what happens. And like I said, we spent the winter like taking care of them, you know, in case the uh, temperature ever dropped below freezing, which it did a couple of times. And of course, like all these trees, the longer you go that they get, they were basically um, planted, even though we got them a little bit bigger, they were planted last year between summer and fall. I mean, well, yeah. But anyway, guys, let's get on to the good part. And oh, before I forget, don't sign up for my newsletter. Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, MarlenePardo.com. Uh, on there, I send the newsletter about once a week. Um, I also send uh, a couple of times 
podcast versions <clears throat> of older shows <clears throat> in case you didn't catch it in case you want to listen to a podcast version i send those out on the newsletter but if not go to miamigoschronicles.com or marlenepardo.com again you have their links to video podcast podcast platforms and mp3 files for any of the shows all right let's get on to the good part okay the lady that's here tonight this is the first time that she's here on the show and i am thrilled but let me tell you first a little bit about her uh she, her first name is ira and she has studied the mysteries for over two decades she was a practicing alchemist and was a member of the international alchemy guild within the discipline she was a student of hermeticism hermetic principles and hermetic and alchemistic philosophy she was also a past student of the Golden Dawn system of magic, higher ceremonial magic, a past member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn Rosicrucian, a past student of the Institute of Hermetic Studies, and has studied within two separate mystery schools. She once completed a four-year classical study of the global core shamanism. Iris spent eight years sequestered in one of Earth's power spots, a privately held archaeology site on the American continent. During this time, she documented, mapped, and photographed the site. She also measured the unusual energies found within it with modern laboratory instruments for others. During these years, her experience profound, otherworldly, and inexplicable, often acting outside the understanding of modern science. It was here she began to understand the divine purpose of these unusual places. 100% of our sacred sites are built upon them. 100% of our oldest cathedrals and temples are built upon them. Some say religion was born in them. It was here those gates of the gods were open within Ira, and those gates never closed. In 2019, her otherworldly experiences took a strange turn for an occultist. She began to experience an unusual and powerful calling, which involved the Blessed Mother, Our Lady. After praying the rosary for two years each day and not understanding the compulsion to do so, she experienced an illumination which transformed her life irreversibly. It is her belief that the winding journey she took was necessary, even purposeful, to swim within the many disciplines of the esoteric in order to understand the exoteric all things which have everything to do with the mysterious power of the earth, the cosmos, and the human psyche, all of which conclude eventually with a study into the mysteries themselves, a study of God himself. Though she has studied many arcane and at times heretical arts and science, she has come to know that these things led her perhaps through the back door straight to God in a profound way through the understanding of them. Not born or raised in a Christian tradition, it was if God knew this was the only way she could come to understand he existed. Her unique path, however, can only be described as a cautionary tale with a divine twist. Today, she privately embraces Christianity within the Orthodox Catholic faith and finds time to study the Christian mystery with a focus on the work of St. Thomas Aquinas to mystic philosophy. There, she often swims within a classical study of angelology and demonology. She also spends time studying the epic journey of God's life via the Old and New Testament and occasionally speaks of her journeys and experience based on the unique conclusion of her life story, a conclusion that should never have happened as it did. God is not only mysterious, he consistently works in mysterious ways. At the bottom of every rabbit hole, God is waiting for you. And those are quotes. Help me welcome her. How are you doing today, Ira? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Let me ask you, here. I just wanted to make sure that I pronounced your last name correctly. Is it Wolfnothson? Yes. Is that how? Okay. That's correct. All right. Yeah. Ira. Okay. Anyway, you, um, 
it's incredible. And I know we spoke briefly, uh, you know, before the interview. Um, and it's you you've been to places that many people never ever be at. And I'm sure I've experienced things that people will just be, because of the act of being there. Um, yeah. How did this come about for you? Was it, you know, sometimes <laughs> people see a purpose and then other things they kind of like when you look back is when you realize that you were basically following a path. How did this work out for you? You know, I've really thought deeply about it. You know, the whys of my life. <clears throat> I think we all look at the whys and why are we the way that we are and why do we have certain <clears throat> supernatural skills? Some people, you know, what are we supposed to do with our lives? And I've thought deeply about that and it's changed quite a few times for me. You know, I've made my wild guesses. But at 62 years old, as I look back from the conclusion of my life, back to the beginning of my life, I believe that all the diabolic and demonic experiences that I've had, <clears throat> which led me to the studies that I studied, brought me to the moment where I'm able to perhaps bring others maybe closer to God. And it's kind, you know, that that's often when I say that people just go back like, whoa, I don't want to, I don't want to hear because in mm -hmm. today's modern world, it's not, um, it's not in style. <laughs> my life really has been a revolving door. My friendships, my family, everyone has been pagan, shamanic, Native American, all the spiritualities, but Christianity. Right. Uh -huh. Everything but Christian. So everything but Christian. Yeah. So I often look back on <clears throat> the difficult, uh, diabolic experience that I had that I've experiences that I've had and I think of them now more as formation I was being prepared to be able to speak authentically about why God who's God what is evil what choices can we make in our lives to move closer to the divine in all the occult studies it's all about moving closer to the divine, being able to become more than human, to become like gods with a little g. Luciferianism is that way. Satanism is a bit more coarse, mm -hmm. but most of the occult mystery schools, it's all about becoming more human. And when I first started studying God, I started reading from the Old Testament, which is Genesis, and when the Nekash or the serpent in the garden, and I was looking for the metaphors and the symbology of that story, when the Nekash said to Eve, Satan, Lucifer said to Eve, um, you will be like God. I thought, ah, I've heard that before. <laughs> I've heard yeah, that right. before. <laughs> uh -huh. And it wasn't in the Bible, and so, right? <laughs> yeah. And so... After going down a million rabbit holes, I came to the conclusion, I mean, a million rabbit holes, and I don't just go down a little bit. I swim in waters very deeply. Most of my friends will tell you that when I start to study something, it's decades long adventure and I don't just become, okay, I have to be an expert. Mm -hmm. So every rabbit hole that I would go down progressively, I would come face to face 
basically with God who would say, not like, you know, in my head, like verbally, but he, it, I would get the feeling he was saying, okay, are you done with this nonsense yet? Because <laughs> the real power of the universe mm -hmm. is the creator who was uncreated, who is eternal, who is the alpha at omega. Most occultists will recognize that term. The beginning and the end and forever and ever. And I, for some reason, through all my occult studies, had completely gone as high as the gods and goddesses with the little g's, the powers, the forces, the principalities, the demons, the angels. But nobody ever really talked about God. Even with Kabbalah, you know, we study the tree of life, et cetera, et cetera, the 22 paths, blah, blah, blah. It's really about inside of you and everything exists inside of you. Know thyself. It's all about thyself. Luciferian is about thyself. Satanism is truly about thyself. And why, why are we worshiping the creations and not the creator? I would ask myself that question a lot. Okay. As I got into, you know, when I first started studying um, in some of the orders I was in, of course, I got into the Hebrew alphabet, and that was so epic and mysterious and magnificent. That connected me to God. Kabbalah connected me to God. Learning about the forces and manipulating the forces and uh, Enochian magic, everything kept leading me to God. Like, why am I, why am I bothering with this? Now, growing up, I was born into a family that our spiritual worldview uh, was, on my father's side, more Native American. It was very comforting. It was very out in nature. My family had come here very early on in, in the birth of the United States. So we had a lot of exposure to Native spiritu spirituality. It was a big part of my family's lineage. On my mother's side, it was Freemasonry. And Freemasonry is very Luciferian. Um, and look, whatever I say today, I mean no disrespect to anyone else's choices. Right. I'm no, no, just I understand. Telling my my own well, no, perspective. You speak, it sounds like from a very how can I say it? You basically what you're describing is you grew up as a child within. You know, some people well, would yeah. say learn a, join something as an adult. But you grew up within this environment that you're describing. Yeah, it was, it wasn't direct. Um, if you were to come in my house uh, as a child, you would not see a crucifix. You would not see a Bible. No one had, wore a crucifix. No one spoke of God. No one knew who Mary was. No one talked about angels. Um, you know, my mother's motto, and it took me, you know, until I was in my 20s to figure out what it meant, but she would often say, if I will something, it happens. <laughs> That's Crowley. <Right. laughs> that's Alistair Who's Crowley. that back there? You, you're, you're, oh, you that's my pup. That's yeah, that's my puppy. Pup? Sit up. Come okay. here. Hey, sit up. Papa. Come here. Sit up. Can oh, you see her? She's beautiful. That's a big boy. <laughs> this is so I have nine dogs. Her so. real name is Philosophy. Oh, really? Sophie. I like that. I like yeah. that. I like that very much. So growing, she's like, growing up, there's. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big dog person. Growing up, there was no Christianity whatsoever. And it was very Luciferian in nature. It was all about, um, you know, this realm, material pleasure, satisfying 
basic needs and my family did very well. Um, they were accepted in society, mm -hmm. um, members of Bohemian Grove. At um, more so Let me on ask my you something. Side. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did your mom's, her family, was it like that? Or did she go into this belief system on her own? Or was I don't she know. like you? I, I actually, even though my mother raised me, <laughs> I never knew my mother very well. I lived with okay. her. I was raised okay. by her. But there is an aspect to my mother that was very distant and very cold, I guess. Yeah. Um, we didn't have motherly hugs or motherly things. Okay. My brother and sister are 10 years older than me. We grew up very distant from her. And I think okay. one of the reasons for that is, um, you know, other members of my family will disagree with this, but they didn't live in the same house with her. Yeah. My family had a face on the outside that was lovely, but behind closed doors, I'm almost certain my mother was diabolically possessed. <laughs> I'm almost okay. certain of it. And, and my I, sister, I, 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 don't <laughs> laugh, don't laugh because I believe me, I have That's run across right. what you're describing where, uh, and only somebody like you said that lives within the four walls with this person. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna get to the get to the examples here. Okay. All right. And my sis, my sister, who is ten years older than me, also. And so, in Freemasonry and in families like this, there is an ancestral demon or spirit that goes through the generations of the family. It's very ancient. It's from the old religion, the old times. Okay. No one talked about this, but there is a pattern when I go back ancestrally in my family, it goes back through, you know, ancient times and, and there's definitely a history of my grandparents and great grandparents not having, having a lot, but not having happy lives. There is a lot of tragedy. Okay. And so in my family, my entire family was scattered to the wind from this diabolic presence that was my mother outside she was beautiful she was intelligent she was social she had money you know my father was always at work um but there were times when she would know things that there was no way she could know and when the demon would manifest it would manifest where my entire family, brother, sister, and father, she would just go in the other room and my father, you know, I was like six, five, you know, my father would say, just let it go. But as I took care of her in the last three years of her life, the demon would manifest and I would see it. Her face would change. Her eyes would blacken. Her voice would lower. And the things that would come out of her mouth, when I would look into her eyes, it was as if I was looking into an abyss that had no bottom to it. And the kind of hatred that is so unnatural for a human being, whereas my mother could be lovely and perfectly fine. And then when something would trigger this, the demon would manifest in a way that unless you saw it, you couldn't really get the depth of hatred to look a demon in the eye like that and, and see that bottomless pit of hatred. 
Now, let me go back a minute now that you know that part. She mm -hmm. knew things that she did, shouldn't know. She was extremely intelligent. Um, she also never was really sick a day in her life. Really? She had, she had a lot of power where things would just happen. If she would go to a casino, she'd say, I'm going to win. She would win. Or, I mean, there were just small things that if you add them all up, they're one big thing. But mm -hmm. the knowing what she shouldn't know about, things that there's no way she could have known, and it was only when this was manifesting. Now, what people don't understand is diabolic possession. It's not an everyday occurrence. It's not 24-7. Demons are very cunning. They love to hide. And they only attack those that were, are within the authority st structure of the ancestral demon. So they would only be able to attack myself, my brother, my sister, perhaps my father. That's as far as it goes. But the consequences of that always go into the next generation through the generation of the child. So if my sister becomes possessed, then it affects her children, et cetera. At three I was going to ask old, you that question. And, and, and let me, because you're basically, you're saying that this thing was with her till the end of her life. It wasn't that at some yes, point it, died. it left. It died with her. And the it moment died. she died, mm -hmm. I, I cared for her full time for the three years. Okay. My sister, on the other hand, I I don't have contact with her. I, I support her, but I just deposit into the bank. So I don't know what her life is like now. But my okay. sister at, at certain points, it took like five sheriffs and three full grown men to hold her down when she was having a manifestation. So it's, mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that diabolic possession, and it's only triggered by certain things, you know, it's not triggered like a mentally ill person or, mm -hmm. you know, somebody's taken too many drugs or what have you. It's very anti-structure. It's deconstructive. It's very divisive. It's, it just tears families apart. It traumatizes at, the family. Yeah. I look at their children, my brother and sister's children. My brother also had moments. And I'll tell you why I think I survived it, but their children, one is paralyzed from the neck down since the age of two. Um, the other two were abandoned at age five and seven at a bus stop, and my sister never went back for them. I mean, it's just like absolute mess. Now, this is a wealthy family, mm -hmm. a family that's accepted on the outside, that, that seems like they're beautiful and have everything going for them, vineyards, you know, estate, everything. But on the inside, we were all barely hanging on. It's just been scattered to the wind. Do you so think, for me? Do you? And I'm going to ask you a question. Do you think that? And I know I know what you're describing. So basically, you're saying that the let's say what's happened to your brother and your sister, the, you know, besides these mm -hmm. things of their children, it, they it did was not survive the trauma plus the demonic influence or. Yeah, and there were think? other things going on when we were young. So at three years old, I used to see white beings, okay. angelic white little beings coming through the ceiling. And I was 10 years younger than my brother and sister, so they were at school. And I was home with my mother. My mother would be in the bathroom fixing her hair. I can, you know, she used Raynet, you know, the typical 1960s. Yes, Mm -hmm. And these beings would come down through the ceiling and they'd say, it's not time yet. 
it's not time yet. And I'd say, mom, mom, the white people are here again. The light people, the white people. And she'd say, oh, don't worry. They'll go away. What were those beings? You know, my brother and sister never saw them. They never had them. Shortly after that, my mother took me, a three, four-year-old child, to Bohemian Grove. You know, this is a place, it's a bed of magic, occult rituals are performed there. Um, you all know the stories of it. What was I doing there? Sure. I remember going down a hallway in what appeared to be like the dressing rooms, you know, with the capes and the wands and the uh, props, the hearst, the uh, bag with the body in it. Um, I remember the lake. I remember the owl. I remember my mother taking me to trees and telling me trees can talk. I was born on the day that the grove was dedicated. It was dedicated years before, but it was dedicated on August 15th, which is the Feast of Nemeralia. That's a specific occult day. It has meaning. It was dedicated to it. And it was also a power spot. It was a grove, a sacred grove. And it's also on a magnetic anomaly with the higher than average telluric currents. I mean, if you know the occult, you'll understand that there are certain places that are holy or sacred or powerful. It was made there. Mm -hmm. I was handed off to an older man, and then I have no memory whatsoever. But I remember driving in, how I thought it looked like Disneyland and how beautiful the trees were. I had no idea what it was, and I have no idea what happened to me. It's like my memory just drops, but I remembered so many details. I believe that when I began to see these things, my mother probably caught on and went, oh, I need to take her to Grand Wizard. Or, so know, in other words, your, your brother and your sister didn't go. You went by yourself with her? Just me, yeah. Now, oh. there's a big blank in my life. So I get to be about eight years old, and they're sending my sister off to go to finishing school in Switzerland. Well, she goes off. No one tells me, of course. I'm sort of, you know, I, I grew up outdoors with animals, and like I said, I right. didn't really have a mother paying attention to me. Okay. And my sister was going to come back suddenly, and my mother took me down to a little house at the bottom of the hill, and she said she was going to measure some things, and I was to go with her. So I'm about eight years old, and she there's a ramshackle little house on our estate. We have a pretty big estate, you know, a lot of vineyards and apple orchards and she opened the door and I walked in she didn't even skip a beat she started measuring with her tape measure and she's going to measure for curtains the floors in this little house were white and they were covered from floor to ceiling in splattered blood covered oh splattered blood oh my god I have this memory etched in as clear I have no understanding of why or how or when or what you don't ask at that age. And I remember just being like, what, you know, I, I was too afraid to even ask. I wasn't really that close right, right, to exactly. my mother. And so she measured. And about a month later, my sister returned home pregnant. And this was going to be where she was going to live. And so the next time I saw that house, I was going down to spend the night with my sister on the couch to be babysat. And I went into that little house and I spent the night and I slept on the couch in the room that I, it's now pale yellow, but I remember what it was just 
you know, a few weeks, a month before splatter from floor to ceiling and blood. Something really evil had happened there. I don't. Let me ask you: Do you think really... your mom took you there to desensitize you to this, or did she really not I, I have... realize that you were going to be like even as I a child? I have no way of. I have no way of knowing. My mother is gone now. I have wow. no way of knowing. But I'm just. You'll see how this all fits together in the mosaic, okay. the pieces. And so when I spent the night there in absolute terror, my sister was asleep with the door closed in her bedroom. I, I just couldn't believe that someone would leave me there, that my mother or my sister would close her door and I would be in that room. It's like a child feels, you know, what's, what's going on around them. And it was pitch dark and I started to cry. And suddenly I felt, a piece and I smelled flowers and I opened my eyes and there was a demure beautiful woman of light with a veil covering her face I could see the lace of the veil and the dress long robes beautiful veil but I couldn't see her face but she smelled like flowers and I remember in that moment I became very warm very sleepy very safe and I fell asleep now I didn't know the name of Mary I didn't even know God had a mother I didn't even know anything about Jesus except maybe somebody went to church and talked about Jesus at some point right right like in passing and yeah and so after that happened I went into a life of you know, a lot of pain. Um, I had f five abortions before I was 19, from 14 to 19. I got married four times before I was 25. Um, I was never supervised. I was left home alone at really early ages. Um, I had no, I was rudderless. I had no God. I had no structure. I was just a wild animal. And after that happened to me, um, at 26, after having abortions, my mother would take me, she would say, Oh, it's nothing. It's just scientific. And don't worry about it. And you're not having it. I'm not going to let you have it. Of course, she didn't want any other burdens. Mm -hmm. But at 26, I got pregnant again. And I went to the doctor. I was really happy. I was going to have this baby. I wasn't living with my mother. And the doctor said, you have a blighted ovum, meaning there was no heartbeat. There was no baby. And he said, you need to schedule a DNC right now. You're going to have blood and miscarry and pain and danger and blah. Well, I went home that night heartbroken. And in my dreams, the woman standing on a boulder in a desert with the blue and white robes, with the veil, the veil's now back, the hair is blowing, who looks exactly like Our Lady, but I didn't know who Our Lady was even then. It didn't even add up. And she said, you're going to have a son. And that dream was so profound to me, even though I wasn't a religious, that I called the doctor next the next day and I said, you know, I. I think I'm going to wait on that DNC. I don't okay. want to have it. 
He said, no, no, no. So each week they would call me. And after a certain amount of time went by, he said, just come in. I need to get you on an ultrasound and you'll see for yourself. And so I went in and I will never forget the look on that man's face because that ultrasound, there is a heartbeat. My son was alive. Wow. There you go. (laughs) He's now 34 years old. He's 13 years career military. He's been to Afghanistan twice. He's a hero. And he would not have been born had I not had that dream. And I am certain that that was Mary. Of course. Of course. Yeah. And you need so, to have that. that how can I say? <laughs> your instincts were telling you something, yeah. but it sounds like that dream cemented it. Now, at about this point, you're probably asking yourself, why wasn't I Christian then? I still didn't put it together. I still didn't put it together as angels protecting me, as Mary coming to protect me in that little house, as Mary coming to save my son's life or save me from another mortal sin. <laughs> Let me ask you, I what had committed happened, what was, every... <laughs> was your dad here in the background during all these things? Or My what? father was the money man. He left at 4.30 okay. in the morning. He had a large factory company. Back in the day, it would be like a Silicon Valley company. But back then, you okay. know, back in the olden days. Um, he employed a lot of people, um, very well known, and um, he was gone. He didn't come home until 6.30 at okay. night or 7.30 at night, had dinner, went out with his drink and his cigarettes on the porch and stayed away from my mother. <laughs> okay. So he was there, but not so, there is what you're saying, basically, in a way. Yeah, he was, he was never, he had no clue. And okay. And for some reason, you think about it, you know, back then, we were different. People didn't talk about these things. They just yeah. remained secretive right right. and so i went through um you know my studies my decades of studying everything but at age 46 i had a very strange experience and i used to attribute it because i wasn't a religious i used to attribute it to an extraterrestrial experience and so i was in my home um there were some strange occurrences that happened very synchronistic things Um, Suddenly, I was passing out, I woke up, and I was having an experience with a being that I interpreted as, you know, some sort of spiritual abduction or a visionary experience, you know, that was nothing new to me growing up the way I grew up. I just isolated it as it's got to be an an ultra-dimensional being or an extraterrestrial. And I had a friend who said, that's demonic. And I'm thinking... (laughs) you silly person that's not even nah (laughs) right right okay well it was about eight feet tall and remember i told you about the beings of light at three years old saying it's not time yes it spoke about time and it went into this epic occult physics version of what time was i didn't really understand but i understood it was epic. This being was eight feet tall, had the black wraparound eyes, had the had a very human-looking face, but very otherworldly. The skin was alabaster white, and it was so transparent that you could see the blood moving through the vessels and the heart beating in the chest. It was illuminated from the inside out in this dark room. Now, the place I was taken to was very occult symbolism, black and white checkered floors, the pillar, the two pillars, um, there was owl imagery, there was 
planetary, seven planetary images. It was very occultic. It was very Freemasonic. Again, it was a vision. But this being made me feel very good. And so I also learned from this experience that it was important because the time synchronicity was there. It had come through my life and it will continue to come through my story. It's time. It's not time. It's time. This being was very, to everyone else that sees the, the depiction, the image that, that I used to show what it was, they say, oh, that's demonic. That's a demon. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that. But I now ask you, I how did you feel it. when you saw this? How did how did it make you feel? Oh, I was used to demonic right. frequencies I, that's and what, things, and and they is it, and they was can it like make fear you feel. Or I've seen this or felt well, they, this before. No, they can make you feel really lovely. You know, like oh. a, if you want to understand a demon, study a psychopath. If you want to understand a psychopath, study demonology. Yeah. They right. can make you feel like you're a million bucks. They can sure. do things in your life. They can change things. They can rain money down on your head. They can rain success down on you. That you you are suddenly more intelligent. You're more powerful. It's all true. Mm-hmm. But there's a price. There's always a price to pay. There's the swing of the pendulum. There's cause and effect. There there is reciprocity. There, these are spiritual laws written into the universe by God. By the way justice and the demons know the rules and so they can lift you up and they can also make you pay and so you know this being made me feel really good but meanwhile my life was just falling apart it was exploding people talk about the shaman's wound or um the suffering of the healer well that's the price you pay because you're using magic Mm-hmm. that is stolen you know we weren't supposed to have it it came with the fallen the 200 fallen onto mount hermon when they went into the daughters of men and went into society created the nephilim um which after their dust became the demons but it's fallen angel magic it's high magic it's god's magic and god is magical it's a supernatural universe. I know Christians are uncomfortable, especially Catholics, hearing me yeah. use this terminology. But I'm speaking to occultists on the fence right now. I'm not speaking. Christians don't need me. They're already Christian. Right, <laughs> I don't right. need yeah, anything the I have to say. So, yeah, okay. But the language that I use, you know, it's the most powerful energy and magic in the universe is god's power and energy and magic and so with catholicism the rituals the ceremonies the traditions these are all things that were given to christ gave to the apostles so this is god's magic with permission prayer is god's magic with permission as long as you're within the authority structure there are certain ways to pray and not pray and it's very magical in nature and principle and for example when you hear Catholic priest talking about the authority structure of a family. Well, you can command a demon to leave your child, your underage child. You can command a demon to leave your pet. You can command a demon to leave you. But you can't command a demon to leave Marlene because you're not under my authority. Right. And so when you do that, you come under in spiritual law, it's like a green light for the demons who are very legalistic in nature, then they can come against you and retaliate. Right, because basically, let's so, say like a child incarnated into this world through your body. So like you said, 
you have yeah yeah you're limited so in your study, scope so so looking at aquinas and augustine and many other church fathers that really got into demonology Mm -hmm. um, I realized it's very magical, and that's something very familiar to me. There are spiritual laws written into the universe. We didn't write them. We can't change them. That's a fact. I look at hermetic principles, same thing. So when I said that my experiences were a formation to get me all the way up into, let's say, a day like today where I speak to people about my experiences of choosing God and why, it's because I can see the patterns from the occult that these okay. were the things, for example, you know, Jesus had two teachings, you know, he had one public and one private. And he said, to you, it hath been given to know the secrets of the reign of the heavens. And to these others, it hath not been given. And that's Matthew 13, 11. And so really to me, what that says is, it's not a good idea to know what I know, but I know what I know so I can speak from experiences and I can mm -hmm. tell you God is your choice. Don't waste your time. It's effortless. It's all easy. It's all there for you. You're dealing with the creator and not the creations. The little gods and goddesses, you trying to be like God, what you don't realize is you can be like God, but you have to rely on God. That has to be a grace that God gives you. Right. You know, a truth is objective. It's not subjective. And if you believe in Bigfoot and UFOs and ghosts and all these other things, it can't be but a little hop to look at Catholicism or Christianity and say, wow, that's supernatural. Most people don't even, you know, if you're like me and you had no Christian upbringing, you look at a picture of Jesus and he's trudging through the desert in sandals and he says some obscure thing that nobody knows what he's talking about. And you just go, oh, God, I don't even look at that. Right, right. To you, it's like, it was like, funny. like a fairy tale, you know, like when you hear a fairy tale and it's like. It's not okay. even attractive. It just looks like, you know, they're right, trudging right, around right, in the right, desert. Exactly. But when I went back, you know, I, I dared to ask the question. And I always tell people, ask and you shall receive. As an occultist, I would tell people that. I didn't even know where it came from. It came from the Bible. But I asked, who are you? You know, God, who are you? Well, I got to know the Father first. At first, I got to know the Father. And I ended up going through the Old Testament. And I got to know Yehovah or Yahava, Ahava, Yahava or Yehovah. You know, I call him Yahava because that's a long story with the Hebrew alphabet. But when I got to know him, I realized this, this isn't some old man. This is a young, viral, cunning, magnificent, powerful, strong, magical. I mean, just like an epic masculine entity that created the entire universe. And I was like, wow, how did I miss this? Okay. Then when I found out, then he became Jesus as a human. Then I was like, oh, the guy with the sandals trudging through the desert. Through no, the that desert. guy's awesome. So then I got to know Jesus and I was like, okay, Yeshua is amazing. This guy is amazing. And then I got to know about the shroud and what his body looked like and how he was tall. And he said things that are so occult in nature and knew so many things. And yeah, I, I couldn't turn away then. And so people okay. ask me, well, why did you become Catholic? Well, 23 years ago, at the time, I was given this very little plastic rosary by a dear friend, and it was broken. 
and it came from Lourdes, but she gave it to me and I kept it in my jewelry box and I sort of sledged it around for 23 years and then she died. And I remember pulling it out and putting it back together and Googling what is the rosary and then how to pray the rosary for dummies. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at the time, you think about my whole life with the power of demons and Enochian magic and 22 paths on the tree of life and, you know, coming face to face with demons in my own life and Bohemian Grove. You think about all these things. Here I am. I'm looking at this little thing and I'm thinking, this is supposed to be a powerful thing. I'm, I'm going to check out if, you know, the mysteries and, and the supernatural aspects. I'm going to, okay, rosary for dummies. So I Google rosary for dummies. Okay. And I see, wow, there's like a hundred and something prayers on here I would have to do. So I did. I prayed the rosary. And then, and this is at the same time. I'm doing a battery of rituals in the Golden Dawn system of magic every day. I'm invoking things and banishing things and I'm pentagrams and hexagrams and, but I prayed the rosary and the next day I didn't want to do those things anymore. I picked up the rosary again. I don't know why I was driven to pick this rosary up and pray the rosary. And pretty soon I'm thinking, well, maybe this works for other people when they're not feeling well, I can pray the rosary. I know nothing about Christianity. Right. And I think maybe this is a magical kind of thing here. And every day I prayed the rosary. And about six months in, I had stopped doing all occult things, didn't even open a book, wasn't paying attention to it. I was just praying this rosary and hiking and being with my dogs. And that's a first in my life. I usually am like 24-7 obsessed with knowing more, knowing more, consuming more information I had to know. So I'm right, laying in my bed. Something. With my... The people that were involved in these different organizations or groups, I don't know how. They thought I was did... crazy. All my friends Let thought I went crazy. Were they? <laughs> okay. No, no. Then I'm going to ask you because you, you, it sounds like you were like, you said you were always learning, trying to, did, were any of them misled or where, or were they there in understanding exactly that this is where they wanted to be? I, I don't know if you understand. Most people or... that go into the occult are suffering. Okay. I, that wasn't in my case. I was suffering from, you know, the very beginning, <laughs> but right, right, they right. turned to the occult for power. This is why okay. when I say stolen magic and why I think people should just stay away from it is because mm-hmm. most people are not of the correct moral degree to really know the things. You know, you see people, witches and different people, they're all casting spells and, you know, wielding their power and charging money and, you know, do messing with people's lives. When when people are doing certain kinds of spells and they've only reached a certain level of education, they don't realize that when you do a binding spell, you're not only binding the person, you're binding yourself to them. (laughs) They don't tell you they don't tell you that. So you do a big witch's binding spell on Trump or something. You're actually binding yourself to that person. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> going to be obsessed, you're, 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 you know. Gonna get why am I thinking think. about this person? Why, why am I still focusing on this person, you know? Okay. So. Would you say that there so, was an, un, uh, were, were psychopaths? I'm going to use, and, and, and I, I, a lot of people think of psychopath who? as the serial killer, and there's a lot of nonviolent psychopaths running around. Are psychopaths attracted to the occult or is that just like because of the power a love of power how's that i 
Yeah, I guess they would be. Um, it's all about ego. It's all about self. Okay. It's all about self-empowerment. You don't need anybody. You don't need God. Generally, these are people with oh. deep wounds from authority, from parents, from, you know, okay. who, who's who been in charge of their lives. And so it's very emancipating to have the power of the forces sure. and the principalities working with you and, and doing all, you know, having this understanding of... Um, when the planets and the constellations are in a certain way and what time of day it is and when's the best time to move this to over to here. Yeah, psychopaths would love love to have that tool in their toolbox. I don't know if they have the discipline to do that. They're more focused on um, finding a, a source to get energy sucking from another person. So really they're more target oriented just on a person. I don't they know if they would spend a lot of time studying in uh, solitary in mode mm -hmm. you know they they need their fuel to fill so, up because they're they're soulless psychopaths yeah, they they're are. very there's no empathy self murder no, sympathy, no remorse let me ask you did you did they did they ever decide they were going to stage an intervention after you were just went to the rosary didn't my friends didn't any of them, no didn't no any but, of these but i only have i only have i only have a couple of friends that are not uncomfortable around me okay part of it is because the way i speak of christianity is very mystical Okay. I'm, I'm able to sort of back up what I'm saying with scripture and facts and examples and things. Um, some of my friends disappeared. They, were, they weren't comfortable around it. And I don't know what it is, but okay. some people, that's what if, I was, you even, yeah. if you even have a piece of art that's Christian, they have this tremendous aversion to it. I do know why, you know, but. I know why. You know, when you're under diabolic influence, whether it's obsession, oppression, subjugated, or possession, anything mm -hmm. holy is going to really disturb you. So, and I also, from all of my experiences, have a really strong sensitivity to the diabolic. Like, I can look at someone on the internet talking, or if I meet someone, I just feel it. I just know it. And I, I think that's a grace from God. But I also feel it was a survival mechanism for me. I had to know when the demon was going to manifest to save myself, to protect I'm myself tell you something. and my own family. Uh, that must have been so horrible as a child for you. That must have been Well, there's so, a lot I'm leaving so out. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I know out. that. I know that. I know that. But just what the but little that you've said. It was, for, it was formation and it was meant to happen. And I believe that God allows suffering and allows evil because you have something greater to accomplish later. Sure. I really believe sure. that I survived, whereas others haven't and didn't. Mary kept you. coming into my life. There was a reason I had to learn what I learned and then God just pulled the plug on it. Now, here's the moment that God pulled the plug on it. So six months into praying this rosary, I was laying in bed and I had a full illumination of conscience. I didn't know what that was at the time, but I knew it was important and it was profound. As I'm laying in bed, what probably took maybe 10 or 15 minutes by Kronos, by our time, felt like an eternity. I watched my entire life flash before my eyes with every mortal sin, every venial sin, every pain I'd ever caused, every insult to God I'd ever made played out in front of me. Now, I not only saw what I had done, it wasn't a hand slapping. I saw the repercussions, the effects of my causes on other people and the correspondences that came later. 
Those people I would then see go out and hurt another person, kick their dog, have a fight with their spouse, cause more pain. And then those people would cause more pain. This was so epic and so beyond my scope of imagining it or thinking it up. It was so beyond my scope of understanding. So when this happened, I realized that there was a presence in the room and that presence was Mary. I felt the same signature of Mary being in the room. I didn't see her. I didn't okay. hear her, but she was there. And after I had had this whole illumination of conscience, I was sobbing. I was asking for forgiveness. I was asking the people to you know, I'm so sorry I did that to you. I'm so sorry, God, I did that. I'm so sorry I did all these things. And Mary brought in another presence and that presence was so profound it was mercy it was it was Christ I didn't see Christ I didn't hear Christ I felt the forgiveness the mercy of Christ come into that room it was as if I'd gone to an epic confession but it was done for me it was literally done for me I felt the pain I made the choice I felt the guilt. I felt the shame. And because I wasn't able to go into a Catholic church or do confession, I wasn't Catholic. I couldn't take communion. I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. This came to me. And that day, that night, a switch was thrown inside of me. I was completely different. I never looked back. I was determined to become a Catholic. I felt like I already was a Catholic. I was Catholic. That was it. I'm Catholic. I'm going to be Catholic. And it okay. was a long, difficult journey of constant roadblocks, constant diabolic uh, trip-ups being thrown at me to Tell get me, to that I, I, point. I, could I you mean, describe some of them? Because I know that there's yeah. people that sometimes... I want to say the diabolical, they, they, they look at the Hollywood yeah. version of it. And I think sometimes no. <laughs> it's much more subtle than what people think. Yeah. Well, it's not to you, but to others looking at it for sure. You know, right. if you if you would have been a person standing in the bedroom when I had that experience, you would have said, I didn't see anything. I didn't feel anything. Right, well, the same no, with the you, diabolic you, experience. You're, you're saying but, here, you know, this is your... Yeah for lack of a better word, your epiphany, your moment of epiphany where you're saying, I'm mm -hmm. going to become a Catholic. I'm good. This is your, I was Catholic going in it, that direction. Overnight. Within five and, seconds, I was a Catholic. I woke up completely in a state of grace out of that experience okay. because I had confessed and I had been forgiven and whatever how, I couldn't what, remember how, was, how did they try to sabotage your travels to Christianity? <laughs> That's what, what happened that you yourself now, the, you, because of your knowledge, you realize this, yeah. Uh, it's not happenstance that maybe I'm running into these roadblocks. No, I mean, it was like, suddenly I was like, oh my gosh. So when I was 33, very magical number at 33, <laughs> I got married in the Greek Orthodox Church. It was my last marriage. It lasted eight years, but um, it was in the 1990s, 90, 1991. I was baptized and confirmed in the Greek Orthodox Church. So okay. I thought it, when I went to the Catholic Church, I said, yeah, I've been baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church. Well, they hold hands, the Catholic and the Greek Orthodox. They accept each other's baptisms and confirmations as legitimate. They don't with Protestants okay. and they don't with just basic hallelujah baptisms. But right. 
when they called my church that I was baptized and married in for my records, they they had lost the records. There was no, yes. what a I didn't exist. I didn't exist at all. Well, my ex-husband knew, my son remembers, you know, everybody yeah. knew I was baptized in three days. I had to wear the holy oil in my greasy hair with the oil in my hair, was, you know, the whole okay. thing. Of course, when I was baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church, I didn't know what the hell they were doing. I was just doing it like, okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll do it for you. You know, I never okay. went to church. I never knew what it was. Right, right, right. This is this was for so, you. It was just I'm going through the motions, but it didn't. So they completely lost my marriage records, my baptismal records. Of course, there in 1991 we didn't have cell phones. We didn't take selfies. There was no, no images. No, no. There was no video. There was no proof. There was yes. nothing. And so they had to go through the tribunal, of the Catholic diocese, and the tribunal took months and months and yes, months to decide yes, what to do with me. Yes, <laughs> and they I couldn't do. take they do. communion. They do. I couldn't go to confession. So finally, I got Let me ask you, did, they, did, they, did the tribunals, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm picking up my my runaway flashlight. Okay. Did the tribunals interview? Because sometimes they're willing to interview witnesses, like as They in... were not, they, they were leery of me in the little parish, you know, the first day I walked in off the street and I said, I need to speak to a priest. Right. So I tell the priest about my experience, you know, and then I tell him, well, here, here's who I am, you know. Oh, my gosh, I've done rituals and seen demons. Oh, my God, Ira, they must have been demons like. And I've invoked <laughs> demons in the Enochian chapel. They must have been. Uh... Yeah, Ooh. they were really lenient. And I was so exuberant. You know, I go, I'd like to volunteer, you know, to work in your yeah. church for free. You know, I'm really blessed and I want to come to work. And they were like, um, let's just wait a bit. You know, so no one talked to me. No one came near me. I went by myself to mass. <laughs> I didn't get to take Holy Communion. I'd sit there. No, everyone looked at me like, who is this weird person? You know, I live in okay. you know a very tiny, tiny old timer town. And I just stick out, you know, and uh so I was just alone. I, I am alone anyway. And um, I waited and I waited and I waited. And at Christmas, I got the call that I could go take Holy Communion and give my confession that the tribunal had decided that I was confirmed and baptized. Great. At that moment, when I was preparing my confession, which was an hour and a half long. <laughs> at that moment, I've... things started going wrong with my house windows really? broke um mm -hmm. a deer was massacred in my front yard by a wild animal like really close to my front yard um my dogs got sick uh there were other things that i don't recall but they were things that kept me from selling my house i actually had to stop and go okay i have oh my water would go out my um i i just woke up and just all these weird things would go wrong in the house Right, that if I go to separately, maybe over time, they wouldn't have been, but basically you're saying like... No, it just all happened like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, exactly, then exactly. I went up to my, get my mail and on my telephone pole, I had had people camping on my land where my neighbor's son is a sheriff. So he sent the sheriff to remove them. They were just deciding they were homeless people just camping and one was on drugs. And, and so I went to get my mail and um someone had spray painted 666 die with an arrow pointed at my house now 
I don't talk to anybody. I don't know anybody. I don't have friends. I don't go anywhere. It's been a pandemic. Okay. People have been suffering. Yeah. So I went out and did the rituals. I went out and did the prayers, um, deliverance prayers, deprecatory prayers. I buried a um, beautiful uh, Archangel Michael medal, doused the telephone pole with holy water and holy salt, blessed and exercised water and salt. Let me ask you, and I'm going to, this is, and like, I consecrated was this just my a property mean person to Mary. Or was this somebody of that? I don't know. It, it just seems too synchronistic. Stuff? It's just too synchronistic. It was someone that didn't even know me that got, I don't know. Okay. I, I really can't say no one even knows okay. where I live. I'm very private. Right. No one okay. knows where I am. Even my family. Okay. So I, um, yeah, I just weathered the storms and I kept um, praying the rosary every day and doing the deliverance prayers of where I would break the curses, the ancestral demon spirits in my family. I would do the, the Catholic prayers for that. I mean, Catholics have prayers um, mm -hmm. that are thousands of years old that are so efficacious and effective if done correctly. And of course, because I had the training I did, I'm able to really focus and really visualize and really put my energy into it, um, you know, to hold hands with God and really try to, you know, clear things out, banish, banishing and then filling. It's a magical principle, but yet I'm banishing on in the name of Christ. And I'm also filling in the name of Christ. I'm filling with the light of the Holy spirit. Nothing, you know, it's all familiar to me. It's I, I listen, the Ira, occult has always been. Let me ask you, you mentioned at me. the very beginning that there was a reason why you were yeah. spared, uh, compared to your brother and your sister. You yeah. said, well, there was a reason. Why, why was that? when you look back at what, what transpired through the years. So I would sit with people like you and tell the story because there are people out there like me that are maybe on the fence, that are questioning the occult, that are unfulfilled, that are constantly finding when they practice the shamanism, they're sick or they're wounded or they have blowback from the magic. <clears throat> I find that most of my friends that practice all these things they're sick a lot. They have a lot of tragedy in their life, but they don't want to admit. They wanted to say, it's, oh, it's just life. It's not just life. There are prices to pay, and it is a stolen art, a stolen science. Now, all you have to do is add God into the mix, and suddenly there are things that correspond or are equal to in degree, but much more powerful that you can do with a clear conscience. You know, you're not stealing. You're not using fallen magic, fallen angels magic. You're using God's magic. It's very simple. You know, there are a million beautiful prayers. If you understand, you can say, you know, if it makes you uncomfortable at first, feel free to call them metaphors and symbols of what they, you know, so you think the prayers aren't just literal. You know, if it makes you uncomfortable to say in Jesus' name or in Nomine Patri et Fili Spiritus Sancti, I mean, you know, if it makes you uncomfortable or pray in Latin. Okay. Praying in Latin, you know, I have a lot of occult friends. I'll say, do you mind if I say a prayer because we're talking about demons? And they'll kind of, you know, hesitate and they'll go, oh, okay. You know, I guess. And I'll pray the Lord's Prayer, but I'll 
pray it in Latin, you know, Pater Noster, quies in cele, sanctificetur in omen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, via voluntas tua sicut in cello et in terra. It's very beautiful. And they automatically go into like a little trance and they go, wow, that was beautiful. What was it? So sometimes, <laughs> I wrote just sometimes, pulled one out. I was like, right. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, there's, there's ways to show people what, yes, of course. you know, what God wants them to know in their own language. Right. Christians may be uncomfortable be around like, me. Um, <laughs> well, Maybe a little bit, but that's okay. You know, I've got God and I've got Christ and I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got Mary. I've got angels. I'm, I'm so, I am so at peace for the first time in my life. Right. And that, that, that's really, really what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's peace. And like mm -hmm. you said, sometimes people, when they have a history of either trauma or like a better word, drama and everything, they really don't realize this is really what they want. What their heart seeks is peace. But they're so used yeah. to maybe a very chaotic lifestyle or that this is the norm for them. Like you said, you realize something was going on. And for other people that you knew, they were saying, this is life. And it's like, no, that's not really the way life is supposed to be. Yes, yeah. things do happen. You know, but <clears throat> when... When I talked about it's time in the beginning, it's not time yet. It's not time yet with the angels coming through the ceiling saying it's not time yet. I got to a point with the occult where it was very clear to me it was time. For what? I didn't know. It was time. Mm -hmm. I remember posting on social media, it's time. And everybody hit like, like they had no idea what I, I didn't even know what I was, you know. Right. It's time. And I would go down the bottom of these rabbit holes at this really extremely high level, intellectual level. And I would get down there and be like, God is looking at me going, when are you coming home? It's time. Are you done yet? When are you, when are you going to stop this nonsense? And so that moment, it was time. And it was time to walk away from the education and now step into my vocation. And my vocation is so easy. It's just telling my story. I always saw myself teaching hermetic philosophy or teaching Kabbalah or teaching magic or, you know, mm -hmm. I saw myself teaching things that were like, I mean, just to explain it to someone, you need two hours just for the introduction of here's what I'm going to teach you. <laughs> it's like right. ridiculously and, 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 and it's like that, I guess that thing of that, not everything has to be explained. Yeah. In other words, yeah. like, you know, there's a great saying, I wrote it down here because I didn't want to forget to tell you about it. There's a great saying, and I can't find it, but it's Thomas Aquinas says something like, for those who believe no explanation is necessary, for those who don't believe no explanation is possible. Right. Exactly. And, and a so, lot of people will say that, that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with exploring. Um, I, I understand, but there comes a point where how can I say it? It's beyond us. <laughs> you know, it's beyond, you know, there's, you're never going to get that complete well, answer. Well, you're studying holy stuff mm -hmm. when you're studying the occult. You know, if you're, if you're holding hands with God and you're a good person and you weren't raised Christian or whatever, you don't know. I mean, you really are learning about the nature of nature, you know, invis both visible and invisible. I mean, it, it, Thomas Aquinas is great at, at 
showing us, you know, the two realities, you know, the three planes of existence. But I think my studying the occult, or for others like me, was a necessary step because I wouldn't have seen the depth in the Old Testament of God the Father. Therefore, I would have never bothered to get to know the Son, you know, God become man, his other face, and fallen in love with them. I, I would have thought, well, this, gosh, you know, I'm going to become more than human studying this other stuff. You know, I'm studying ancient Egypt lineage, wisdom stream. Okay. Maybe. I mean, you never know where it originates. Some people say, you know, Atlantean and all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, the New Age stuff is so convoluted and crazy. I mean, everybody's right. yeah, channeling everybody's something. and Yeah, and when I see that, I'm like channeling something. You know, I've always had this aversion to channeling. <laughs> I just I remember I have a demon detector, you know, and it's like, don't, don't fool me with that. It just bothers right. well, me. I don't know. And it's like my friends are channeling. They're, I love them. They're my friends. And I just go. But let me ask you something. When you say channeling, who are they supposedly channeling? Cha-cha. Stop it. Sorry. <laughs> no. You know what? Every once in a while, I have my dogs. I have nine dogs. My audience, all, I have birds. I have three. And I have chickens. I have three. I love chickens. I have like 40 chickens so outside. So don't worry. So, Everybody's used to weird noises, so don't worry about that. Yeah. So like the cha the channeling thing. I mean, my my friends are like a revolving door of your show. I mean, they're everything from <laughs> crystal, crystal wielding, spiritual energy healing, mm -hmm. Reiki. You know, right. everything. Right. Right. And, and this is the th and you know what? I'm not part of this. This is not one way or the other. I think a lot of it has to do. But you know, I've heard the thing of people that channel and they're good. You know, there's, it's like an okay experience. And then there's other people that, that it's like, be, be careful when you channel because sometimes you don't know what yeah, the source is. Yeah, I don't know. You know, a lot you know, of, it's a lot of people. You know, it go either way. Um, they're channeling foobar from Pluto or something. Well, <laughs> so, you know what? Uh, I don't know. Maybe foobar's on Pluto, but. You know, it's like one of those things like, um, I don't know. Is it, is, it, is it better to be careful or is it, you know. You know, thing, the thing you know, is, I don't even have viewers to. viewers and meditation yeah, and everything. I, and I and I believe it's that does that is a true thing. I absolutely do. And and who am I to talk? I'm talking about possessed people and the diabolic and you know meeting demons. So who well, am I to talk? Somebody 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 says they're channeling something. I have to just go. Whoa, okay. But you know, I always they may not feel comfortable with what I'm doing if I if. You know, in my past, if I was invoking a demon, they might say, don't do that around me. <laughs> well, right? a lot of it has yeah. to do, I imagine, with, well, let, I'm getting into the feely, touchy part, is like, what yeah. what's involved or what's the feeling or what's, what? like you said, what what's the exchange here, you know? Yeah. And there's, on the scale of degrees, you've got, you know, a huge, vast difference from inelegant to elegant performances right. or experiences of course uh, you know i was born and raised in miami <laughs> and over here we have afro-caribbean practices i've seen not that my yeah. family practiced it but i saw a lot of it you know um like you said stuff that it's like uh, you know what you could 
you could invoke that you're saying that you're doing it with you know uh you know how they, they i absolutely believe channeling but... yeah i absolutely believe channeling is real it's what are are they channeling that usually oh, you know it's not like they're channeling a divine mm. entity all the time no. it's usually something well... very earthy <laughs> No, and you know, you, I don't know. you have a lot of, and like, and you, and they even show it where, you know, um, uh, these people supposedly are, and I'm going to use the word mounted by discarnates mm -hmm. in exchange for divination. And I'm thinking, uh, this is not good. I've experienced that. Good. No, I, I've experienced that. You know, like I said, right. I mean, there's a whole, uh, there's a whole world that most people don't even get until they're there. And uh, yes. it's very similar to the African um, spiritual traditions and beliefs. Right. Very similar. I mean, it's it's a universal archetype magic because right. it's universal it's all over the know. universe. Mm -hmm. You just have different names and different, maybe the rituals might be tweaked a bit or whatever, but they basically right. at their core are all the same principles and reality. Right. But I'll tell yeah. you this much exactly what you described earlier about <clears throat> people that are involved in this they're they've got um tragedy upon tragedy i've seen that pattern mm -hmm. played out again like exactly like what you described that's that's, that's just spiritual law you know it, it's reciprocity if you want something you give something if you take something you leave something and it gets pretty sketchy legally in the legal spiritual aspect of it, you miss things sometimes, you forget things, you know, you don't know the rules like they do, like the spiritual entities know the rules. And I'm not talking about angels because that, that's unconditional. That's a whole different type of entity. Mm -hmm. And God is unconditional. And uh, there is no sacrifice now. There is no expectation now. That happened with Christ. That was God sacrificing himself to himself. So that flipped everything right. in the universe. But the right. demons know, and um, a lot of people, they're doing healings and they're doing things without proper authority. And then that's just truth. That's objective. It's, you can see it happening with your eyes, you know, okay. and look, if you want to do healings, bring somebody else into the mix. I know it's uncomfortable to you, but you don't have to say it out loud, but it'll keep you safe. Sure. Well, and when I say somebody else, I mean Christ. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. You know, um, I didn't, I had even heard one time, um, and we're talking here Reiki. And this is, you know, everybody has a different one. Some person said, I would never allow somebody to do Reiki because you don't know if that person that's doing the Reiki on you, basically they're filtering, you know, in other words, you're getting, if they're not, how can I say, I'm trying There's to think of a... There are egregores to each discipline, Reiki, right. Golden Dawn, you know, there are egregores. And, and this is a, a, a cauldron of wisdom, an energetic uh, bubble that contains everything in Reiki. So all the thoughts, wisdom, energies, everybody that's done Reiki, you become a part of that egregore. And it becomes a conscious being where it wants more of what created it, more Reiki, more Reiki. You'll see it in Golden Dawn magic. You'll see it in voodoo. You'll see it in whatever, Satanism, Luciferianism, mm -hmm. Christianity, the egregore. And so, you know, when you're in Reiki, doing Reiki, you're within that egregore. It has nothing to do with God. Right. You know, you're within the egregore. You're working with the little G's, 
goddess gods and goddesses and right. uh, entities. So your exactly. healing is like perfume. It's beautiful, and then it fades with time. It's very rare, unless the person themselves is doing something, to see a healing that is healed and then it doesn't return. Okay. It's exactly. possible that some people, you know, are really powerful. I'm just talking about your velocity market, internet educated Reiki master <laughs> or, right, well, or, or a person that's doing shamanism or whatever. I mean, some people are just born natural healers, you know, they could put on any hat you wanted to give them and they would just, right. they're just great healers. Mm-hmm. Other people connect to God. They just don't tell you about it. Right. Everybody's, yeah, I know some people have that affinity, if you want to call it that. I remember a lady came to me when I was practicing. I never charged, but she came to me for healing. And I did what's called the cross of light, of which you're invoking the names of God. It's an occult practice, but it invokes the name of God. And I remember that she just started shaking. She was uh, almost convulsing because I Mm -hmm. had invoked God, the name of God, right into her for her healing. And this is a woman that probably was exercising at that moment, having I was about to say, that's not a good sign in the sense of why would she act like that unless something was reacting. And what manifested on the floor was a small egg-shaped compact looked like it had the skin of a frog or something it was dead it was it had no head it had no eyes it was just like it manifested on my floor out of nowhere and so (sighs) when she walked into my house before this happened now remember you know she had this reaction to the names of god when she walked into my house she was looking at my artwork and she goes you're not a Christian, are you? Well, at the time, no, I wasn't. I, I, I have a lot of masterpieces that are done by Da Vinci. And so, um, like, they're a cult, but they're Christian, but they're, you know, like that. That's right, right, Jesus. right. Yeah, yeah. I have my own, like, yes. Like, well, that's the face and, of the virgin. And, but I know what you're saying. Some people, it's for decorative so, purposes. You could say, no, that's yep. that looks nice. It's decorative. But, but she was disturbed by the Christian imagery. And that was like my first clue. And I didn't really put it together until after I performed, you know, that this woman was exercising something. Now, because I wasn't doing it as... You know, I didn't have the authority and I wasn't doing it as a Christian with understanding of deprecatory prayers and authority. Um, Of course, you know, months later, I would see her on social media totally crazy again, you know, totally angry. So let me ask you something. Why did she originally go to see anger? So people don't stay healed (laughs) is my point. Unless you're in alignment with with God or Christ or Mary, you know, then then you have healings that are lasting and they're documented all right that's documented she came to you because she recognized that she had an anger problem is what you're saying right so she i don't know why she she never really told me she just oh okay was just needing you know these people are very needy and often 
when they come to you once, you can't shake them off. It takes a uh, lot okay. to shake okay. them off. They keep coming back. They need that feeling because they're empty. They're empty. Something. What no, did you think? No Even though I, it them. looks like you've seen it all. When you saw this thing I manifest, know. that's like, what is this like? What did you, you were like, okay, maybe, was this the source of her anger? Or was this just oh, a no, manifestation? Ma listen, or what? when you, when you're in the occult from birth, <laughs> okay, uh, weird things are just another day at the office. I mean, <laughs> okay. I've talked, I've talked on podcasts like about Bigfoots and about UFOs and, you know, you name it, hermetic stuff, alchemy magic you know i've talked about all these things you know if you go back you'll see the trajectory of my journey where suddenly i'm talking about christian stuff it's mind-blowing okay. i mean it, it was like um i i believe that most of those things are diabolic and i'll tell you why <laughs> because the moment i consecrated my ranch and everything i have and am to marry to our okay. lady mm -hmm. i didn't have any more experiences with Bigfooty or ghosty or knocking or everything just went quiet. Balls of light, orbs. These were normal things. People would come to wherever so, I was wait, to set up their wait. to set up their EVPs and their okay. equipment. And my friend sets up his EVPs in my big barn that I have, and he's he knows he's on a place where you know magic has been practiced, and he's going to get things. And I told him, "You're not going to get anything because it's been consecrated; it's completely clear." And he goes, "Oh no, no, I always get something in a barn." And I'll be darned, you know, he left his equipment all night, and there was nothing on it. Nothing okay, so happened. basically, you're telling, and, and a man and died. Thought, at no, barn. Bigfoot, Bigfoot, <laughs> ghosts, supernatural, EVPs, yeah, orbs. Yeah. Everybody went. We're all out the of time, here. all the time, everywhere. Okay, really? Yeah, my whole life, my whole life. You know, a, a highly educated scientific person would say, "Oh, she's just that crazy." No. You know, there's a mental thing going on. But <laughs> do I look like I'm mentally ill? <laughs> I no, mean, no, no, I've no, held no, it no. together long enough to <laughs> to be you successful know in business, and <laughs> you know, and let me tell you something that speaks also because well. You know, Bigfoot, well, Bigfoot territory, <laughs> you know, right. that people, there's people that say that's, that's a strictly a scientific, you know, flesh and blood thing. And there's others that know. And I tell people, um, I used to belong when I was living in Miami, I used to belong to a, a UFO awareness, you know, and every once in a while we would get, and afterwards, you know how people talk. And I spoke to several people who after a UFO sighting started to have paranormal things going on in their house. And yeah, they because UFOs. UFOs to me now it's very clear they're diabolic. I'm sorry. Well, the, and well, these I, poor people—they were having a hard time getting yeah. it. They were like, "How does me having a UFO sighting that all of a sudden I'm having paranormal yeah. stuff in my house where I never had before?" Uh, yeah, and um, you hear about it on Skinwalker. They're always talking about oh, yeah. it, George Knapp. But but the thing is, when you look at the ufo phenomenon i mean it's pretty much goes hand in hand with how you describe the diabolic you know yes. beings of light uh levitation uh tell they're pre precognitive they're telepathic they send the naomas into you you know the thoughts into you the emotions mm -hmm. into you but then you realize surrounding it the abduction experiences subjugative intrusive yes. Yes. rape yes. pain fear yes. 
no empathy, very demonic. Now everybody goes, mm-hmm. why does the government tell us they're real, that UFOs are here? Well, I'm sure there's some technology out there that human beings made, and that's sort of entering the mix. But they're never going to come out and say they exist because they're a part of religion, and we're trying to kill God right now, right? Yeah. Yes. We're trying yeah, to be one, one world, you know, Pachamama thing. Well, so. I think the best we're going to get is that grainy little film that we've got, the little thing going like this, and then like that, and then like that. It's like that. Yeah, we're, we've taken us 50 years to disclose that. Okay, it's like, all right, whatever. I, I, You know, my friends, if they heard me say, I think that UFO stuff is diabolic, they would just be horrified. They, they would laugh. They would just mm-hmm. think I was a kook because they're so into the science. Now, science is intellectual. And the intellectual right. without the spiritual is Luciferianism. Sure. So we want to be both. We want to be spiritual beings and intellectual beings. And and that is the way God made a human being. He wants you to use your intellect, but he wants you also to be spiritual and sense the spiritual. And so when you're looking at the UFO community, many of them are just prove it, evidence, science, you know, everything has to be validated and it's a science thing. It's a physical thing. We've got metal and ships and you know aliens on cold storage well i'll tell you you know angelic beings and demonic fallen angels and fallen angels no demons Mm -hmm. don't have a body but fallen angels they do have a kind of body it looks like us you know it's it's not this kind of body but it can be you know it's Mm -hmm. if you go into scripture and you look at it there's descriptions of human looking beings that are angelic and even the pre-incarnate christ is human even after the resurrection human so these beings also if you look at the jinn and there are people that study jinn invoke jinn talk about jinn know everything about jinn they often appear with contraptions like there's stories of one guy's cat in something that in order for the cat to manifest and demanifest, the djinn would do it in some sort of metal box looking thing. Right. And so that, you know, they can manipulate physical reality. It's, it's no big deal. And it's look over thousands and thousands of years in all cultures. It, it happens. Right. So it's, I look at your stuff and I think. Depending on the culture that was surrounding it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, People are like, no, this just can't be possible. Well, if it happened, it's possible. And we've all seen things, ghosts and manifestations. Well, a lot of people, especially when they look at these very older stories, where, where, whether it's an ancient civilization, modern days, that people say, well, the people back then were superstitious. You know, they didn't understand. You know, what they're describing, it was like, not really. Yeah. Not really. And, I hear, and you hear it with Satanists, you know, they say, well, we don't really believe Satan exists. Don't lie to me. I mean, people who chase Bigfoot for 40 years, they don't believe in Bigfoot either. (laughs) It's a lie. I mean, they just, that people do know these things exist. They just, they want, you know, Satan's greatest lie he ever told was that he didn't exist. So no, this stuff doesn't exist, Marlene. You know, it's, we're scientists. We're, we're mature, modern scientists. These things don't exist. Yeah, but you know But we've what? all experienced think... it, and we all know it does exist. It does exist. It does exist, and yeah. 
semantics. And I guess sometimes, and I tell you know, despite all our technological advances, our soul yearns, knows on a whatever level you want it depends. Every person is different. That there's more to this world than what technology offers. Uh, We're wired for it. We are wired we are. and created. Of course we are. And some, but then there's some people that are in denial and, you know, like, uh, and I'm sure you've seen like the move towards transhumanism and robotics and. Um, and that's the influence of, of Satan. That's evil. Yes. That's the influence of, of evil moving across the face of the earth right now in a really powerful way. We are under a spiritual yes. attack right now. I've never seen yes. more diabolically influenced or outright possessed people in my life. In my whole 62 years, the last mm -hmm. year has been just everywhere I turn, someone has a diabolic presence around them, in them, and the things they say, the things they do, no yes. morals, no conscience, no empathy, no, no, no care. No, no. I, 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 and I we're how did Where did all these psychopaths come from? And I'm being nice, you know, this is, but it's true. It's like, like you said, there's no remorse, no empathy, they, no, um, God, you know how sometimes people do things, but they're, they have contrition. They have like, because we're all imperfect and we do things that we shouldn't do. And then we feel bad. You're like, your conscious pricks you like, man, yeah. that's wrong. That's, I, I, the indwell I, that's the divine indwelling in you. God's But there's people that they're like, hey, man, if I, I can just, I want to hammer you and keep hammering you. And I don't care that. And I'm like, and then of course, like you said, a lot of times they use the, the cape of science, you know? Uh, we're protecting humanity or we're the science. That's why I'm doing such a horrific thing. And it's like, man, we're, we're science. I mean, where did these people come from? <laughs> the, like, for the they greater are? good. They're all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, the oh, yes, I've, I've seen that. And it's, and it's very, um, I think a lot of, uh, I'm going to, normies, <laughs> they themselves are kind of astounded themselves when they've seen what you've just describing they may not that they may not ascribe it to demonic possession or demonic influence but they see mm -hmm. people like wow i didn't know there were so many of them that could be so cold-hearted uh or so insensitive to human suffering well there's a when you don't invite god into you because we have free will and love wouldn't exist without free will and god wants your love he doesn't want you to be forced so he created free will not. and so justice has to be involved in that because with free will you must have justice for love you must have free will and etc it's like a golden triangle but people um that have god in them indwelling christ the frequency morals are written upon your heart you know right from wrong you don't have to go to the ten commandments which really boil down to one thing do not steal do not steal from god meaning your love put down to the creations rather than the creator, the idols. But you know right from wrong, you feel it because the information right. is written into you. Now, there are yes. some people that when you push God out of your life, for whatever reason, there's a vacuum. And what fills the vacuum is the demons or the fallen because they always take the path of least resistance. It's very uncomfortable for them to be in the presence of grace or holiness, even if it's a tiny little bit inside of you or I. It's very uncomfortable. It's painful. And so they don't want to be around that frequency. Let me ask it's you, really difficult. People, are they willingly to become... possessed? Are they, are they like saying, I'm doing it, or were they snuck up on? Yeah. 
Is hardcore possessions. Hardcore possession is generally an agreement. Okay. And what you'll see is for fame and fortune, and most of them testify to it, the demons will give you everything that you want. You want giant rock and roll, fame and fortune, you'll get it. But the problem right. is you're not precise, and they know the rules. They give you the fame and fortune, but at the same time, your child dies. You have a terminal illness. Right. Anything to push you closer to payment, which is your soul. Okay. So, yeah, you get everything you want. But the caveat is most of those people, when they make that commitment, they're not magicians. They're not – they don't know enough to be precise. And even then – there is no winning. There is no winning in the end. You're not going to, you're now, not going to, in other words, I didn't read the fine print. Yeah, but they usually screw up worse than that. No, but no, I know, I know. Their lives fall but... apart behind the scenes. They'll have all the money. They'll, they'll be, you know, very wealthy, but there will be a lot of pain in their family and their family members can also pay the price. Okay. So you have to be very careful. If you are a Christian and you pray for something and you're precise and you're genuine, you know, God wants to give you everything that you ask for. He, he right. wants to give you all the peace and prosperity and love and happiness. People just don't realize that. They don't realize that you can achieve the same end if you are working and in love with God as opposed to what people today tell you is going to make you powerful. I, I don't know what it is with people. It's so stupid. It's just plain stupidity. I've never been happier, wealthier, healthier, and more at peace than now. And you know what? I've heard, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the music industry as an example, but it's across the board. I've heard of people like, you know, talented people, let's say, go into the music industry to make it. But if they're not on board, all the people that basically make or break your career, they kind of know, no, this one is not going to go along with the uh, with the course of what, whether you want to call it diabolical behavior. You know, in other words, you might be the most talented person and you're not going to make it. The guy with a mediocre talent, but is on board with whoever is pulling the strings and making you famous. It's like, come on board because, you know, you 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 get it. And um... yeah, when the magic, when the magic works, I mean, you know, certain corporations, when they have a velocity market product, they'll do an occult ritual on it. So the energy will be more appealing for people to be attracted oh to it. This is, this is that's, that's mean, a like, very real thing. I, I, you know what I, sub, you know, because you know, you hear, well, supposedly of subliminal messaging, uh, or all the time happens all the time. Uh, yeah, it's on our thing. news. The media, mm -hmm. that term right. comes from the Medes, and the Medes were very powerful sorcerers. And in the ancient Babylonian times, they would hire people from the tribe of the Medes to come in and propagandize the people. They were very good at using words. Words have power. Words are symbols, sure. letters, symbols with power behind them. The Hebrew alphabet being one example but a holy You know life. what? And, and, and I'm so glad you brought that up because we want to think of these co corporations or companies, like, like you said, that's putting mm -hmm. out a product. Like yeah. these, this is, these people, this is a company that's, they wouldn't do something like that. You know, yeah, they want to make it appealing and they might make, shoot this great commercial, 
But nobody ever wants to believe that behind the scenes, there's some type of magical uh, ritual that has nothing to do with science or technology. A modern day person, the chances that they've done a love spell that they've culled off the internet, that's, or a money spell. I mean, people still contact me and say, I want, is there anything you can help me do for wealth? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Go say a prayer. I mean, I don't know anybody that doesn't believe in it. Now put yourself into a very, very powerful position Mm -hmm. and you have the money to hire one of the greatest magi or magus or occultists or adept or whoever, or shaman or whatever. Right. And you're going to pay them a lot of money and they're going to do a ritual and they're going to put a lot of energy and focus and power into it. And who knows if they'll make a sacrifice for the reciprocity part of it. <laughs> Maybe yes. you will. I don't know. But sure. um, I believe it. It happens all all the time at that level, all the time. It's been happening at Bohemian Grove, at, you know, all of these gathering places where it's like, um, you know, a high-level Freemasonic event or a high-level Roshikrushan event or a high-level whatever XYZ ABC I mean, <laughs> event. That thing with a Masonic, let me ask you, is it only the high degrees who are in on this? Or, yeah, you know, regular Masonic, regular Shriner, regular guy people. Yeah. That's not even what I'm talking about. Right. You're talking somebody way I'm talking up the 33 chain. and above. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they don't even go into that stuff. I mean, they just show up and they don't really study it. Not deeply. I mean, you right. have to be you have to be kind of a freak to really study the occult in a super epic way today anyway because you can so easily just go to one of these groups or whatever to take it to the next level takes a lot of solitary studying and solitary ritual work right and because you hear you're pretty much on your own that's what you hear that it's like, you know, when, you know, I've heard of people saying about Freemasonry and everything. And then I, I hear other people say, well, it's not everybody. It's only when you reach a s- certain level or attain a certain degree yeah. that that you won't even you put start it to- going into other things. Yeah. You won't even put it together spiritually, the truth of it until you've reached a certain level. It's cumulative knowledge and cumulative understanding and power. You won't even get it until you reach a certain level and then you start having aha moments where you start putting things together. Like I said, for me, I don't know if it was a grace or a curse with God. It was very easy for me. I understood it before I even knew it. It was just in me. Again, I don't know if that was a grace or a curse. Um, But a lot of people, it's difficult. It's difficult for them to to think on the three planes of existence. You know, they can think mentally, but not so great fit spiritually. The physical alchemy, the laboratory alchemy doesn't make sense to them because it is a ritual and it is using your consciousness while you're doing the chemistry. They, they can't quite grasp that. They either become right, just They think it's only just the, the, the process, in other words. Yeah, the... or alchemical spiritualists. You know, they're, they're great looking at solvent coagula and the spiritual application of it as being shamanic dismemberment or, uh, you know. So I know I'm probably talking over people's heads. So I apologize. Oh. But... Let me ask you something. Now that you mentioned, do you think that people that practice shamanism, they do so at their peril? Yeah. 
do. I mean, it, it's right in your face. The wounded shaman. What? <laughs> you know? Okay. You, you, um, there's a lot of room for error. A lot of room for error, especially the way it's taught now. I mean, you got to cover, cover yourself pretty heavily. And even then, look, it's, it's stolen. It's stolen magic. It what, came. You're going to bring back. Came, that's my belief. So that's my my story. Right. No, 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 no. I, I, to I totally, I totally get it. That, um, yeah. Honestly, who wants to live life like that? It's like, I don't know, but I, what I don't understand is why choose this very complex, crazy, right, high exactly. priced, high priced, you know, stuff when you can just. If you can get past the idea of prayer being the hokey Jesus struggling through the desert picture in your head because you weren't right. raised with the elegance of, and the beauty and the mysteries of the faith, right. you know, just look at prayer as a banishing and filling. You know, it is a magical principle. Prayer, if done precisely, correctly, within the authority structure, the hierarchy of nature, you're working with a being that is so beautiful, so loving, so forgiving, so merciful. So, I mean, just you look at what Christ did on the cross, the work he did on the cross. And you think, I can't believe God would actually do that. That he would come through the body of a woman, be a little kid, and full well know what his mission was. Accomplish that mission of agony, of betrayal. I guess for God, it's, it's not so hard, but... When I pray the rosary, I put myself into the scene of the mystery. And oftentimes when I pray the sorrowful mysteries, I'm with Mary. So most people will pray the seven sorrows of Mary, where she, you know, first learns about the prophecy of Simeon. And then, of course, she loses Jesus in the temple. Okay, those aren't so bad to most people. But when she gets to the point where she's watching her son agonizing on the cross and he dies... I'll put myself into that scene where I have my hand on her shoulder and all I can do is support her in that moment. I'm there. I see it. I smell it. I feel it. And I'm giving her my love and my support. And she's watching her son die on the cross of which she was told at the moment with Simeon and the very baby when he was just a baby, she was told everything. She carried that her whole life, knowing what the conclusion would be of her human son, who was God. And right. I put myself into that place. And you get so much more information of the understanding and mercy and love. I can't put it into words. I sound like a goofball. But when you're there, when you use the magical principles of projecting yourself to that place, when Christ is dying and you touch his feet and you send him love and peace be upon you, and it's Christ, you're just a little nobody human being, but you connect but you, to something. But you know what? You I'm going to gonna tell you something. I think that unfortunately being ordinary and anonymous has become a bad thing. Everything here gear, gears yeah. us to that. If you're ordinary and anonymous, nobody, it's a bad thing. Like you're missing out. So that's, I think, when a lot of people, like you said, sometimes do things that they shouldn't just to attain, whether it's celebrity, notoriety, yeah. or the occult is, uh, I can't, is I magical. can't have an ordinary life. God forbid I should have an ordinary life. And it's like, you're missing out the bigger picture. <laughs> 
there's it's it's very seductive but i've had imperators say openly you know you can be the highest you know most talented skilled magus on the planet and you'll still have times where you make a mistake (laughs) i thought and from what you're telling me that one mistake that could be the end of the whole world or something could be the end of your you know entire career or life or death of a child i mean the retaliation Mm -hmm. of of the demons you know you you have to know and you have to be connected to christ to call on christ to you know just do it throw your pride aside call on christ i'm telling you the minute you open that window god does the rest (laughs) Let me ask you, you know? do you think that these people that get involved in this, because basically it's like, okay, you know, you, you have to be really, I don't know, uh, ignorant that this is like, this is not going to work. In the end, it's not going to be good for you. Do you think some of these people are walking around with a death wish? Which ones? What are you asking? People that get involved in what ends up being a diabolical, whether, like you said, whether knowing. No, I don't think. I don't think they're walking around with a death wish that that inevitably happens because that's the, the, the dream of the demon is your suicide or your death. When they first get involved, no, they're either in fear. In other words, you don't care enough about yourself that you're like thinking, even if this ends up bad. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. There's there's a cultist that lives beautiful, healthy lives. You know, they're, they're fine. I've seen people, occultists, but they study, they know what they're doing. And I think, most of them are actually Christian. They call them Martinists or something, but I, I think they're probably Christian <laughs> because you're invoking the names of God and it's kind of hard. Are they underground become... Christians? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, like... I think so. Or they were born Christian, whereas I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I'm, I'm the devil's mistake. I shouldn't even be alive. Really? Why do you say that? I was not born Christian. I had no chance. I was not born Christian. I had no chance, but I was protected because I had no upbringing of it. And and you could say, you know what? You could say, okay, these are the circumstances of your birth. Okay. But that doesn't mean that even previous to this, you were protected because obviously here you are. No, I was protected, but if I hadn't have been protected, I should not, you know, I wouldn't be here. Had I not been protected, by the angels and Mary, I don't think I would be here. I would be Let dead. Let me ask you, but, but sure, like you said earlier, God. there's there's free will. It sounds like along the way you made certain choices yourself, though. Yeah, there's there's other concepts and ideas about that. That you know, God has weird reasons to do things sometimes. We right, can't well, understand. Well, you know, know what we like you said, we have free will, and the other people say, pre, you know, you're predestined yeah. or you know, is it the fork here or the fork later? But it sounds almost like for you. No, I was protected. I don't know why. Either way, you know, you could have you could have said no or yes or vice versa. Um, I so was always good. I was always a good you know, person. I, 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 I always had. That... M- I always had a conscience. Good. I was always kind. Thank I loved you. animals. That's what I'm talking I loved about. Children. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I never sacrificed a living creature. I never did that. And a lot of times I didn't even participate when I would have, you know, the gatherings or classes that I would participate in. I would just turn my screen off and go do the dishes. Okay. 
right. <laughs> didn't even right. do them. Right. But um, yeah, it's, yeah it's, no, I was always a good person, but I, I really didn't have any clue about Christianity or why I was good or who created me or what was up. And I feel the truth of it. I can't deny it. Yep. And part of it comes from hermetic philosophy exactly. and alchemistic philosophy is why I recognize the truth in Catholicism or Thomas Aquinas okay. or Augustine or am I losing you or are you losing your, <laughs> are you losing your Wi-Fi? I'm, I, I'm losing you. I'm losing you. I'm, I'm, you're like, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm losing the, 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 the audio and the, and a little bit and you're frozen on me and I'm freezing and Okay, I'm, well, I might. There's a storm happening here, so I might be. Okay, that might going be it. Bye -bye. I, <laughs> yeah, I love talking to you. It was it's fascinating talking to you. All right, and I'm hoping you're going to come back, and we could keep talking because I think that a lot of people need to hear this. A lot of what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Um, it's been my especially, honor. I hate to Marlene. say this, but because of your background. It's because of your background. Do you see what I'm saying? If you were a holy roller out of the cradle, people would say, well, you know what? She grew up. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Holy rollers, don't come down on me. You, but you could say, well, she was brought up to think this way. And this is going south. But because of your background, what you have to say mm -hmm. is so important. But again, it has been wonderful. I will be contacting you. I'll send you a link to the show. And for my podcast listeners... How can they find you if they want to know more about you or do you have a, a website or anything? Mm -mm. No. Okay. I, I do thought. have a website. It's, it's heart unafraid.com. Okay. But I, I don't post on it. It's simply okay. my bio. It's a short okay. bio in case you need, need it for next time. It's much shorter. Okay. And I'm um, heart unafraid.com, but it's just my bio. I, I, okay. um, don't do social media and i i only do um reverend sean whittington's show maybe yes. once every couple of months reverend yeah sean. i'm 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 pretty invisible and i don't have books and i don't have youtube or anything like that not a bad thing at all my day not a bad thing again thank you so much and god bless you take care yeah no god bless you peace be upon you Bye-bye. You too. Take care. Bye. Okay. Let's see. Uh, okay. Wow. I'm fading out. I might, might. Okay. Let me see. Uh, you know what? It might not be her. It might not be her, her bad weather. It might be my bad uh, connection. I don't know. Let's see. I don't know. Sometimes, you know what? I wouldn't be the first time. You know what they say when you're over the target? Stuff starts going south with, uh, with the connections. Anyway, guys. Um, again, I, I hope, personally, I love speaking to Ira. Because, again, I'm not kidding. You know what? There's a lot of people um, that would, if, if you listen to her message, which she's talking about, you know, if she, her background would have been uh, Christian, and I'm not going to say Catholic, Christian, whatever, whatever denomination you like, 
and she would have been brought up in that. And by the way, even if she would have, let's say, that happens to some people, they grow up uh, in a Christian household and then they go through a period of revolt where they walk away from the church or from Christianity and they do their thing and then they come back. But your background is there. And you can say, well, you know, basically she came back home. But when you have somebody like her, who, like from, she said, I mean, forget the part about we didn't talk to God or about God or about Jesus or about Christianity. It was like, he was, I, I, you know, to think of a child being exposed to this, it wasn't just the absence of God. It's the presence of something diabolical that surrounded her. Um, and for the source of it to be your mother, the person who is supposed to protect you, that for a child, I want to say is the, one of the most horrible things that could happen to a child. All right. Um, because when your mother's got your back in the, in a child's world, okay, you might be poor, a bunch of other things, but if your mother takes care of you, protects you, comforts you, loves you, kisses you, um, protects your childhood, you're going to be okay. Believe me, you're going to be okay. It's when there's an absence of that. All right. That humans grow up sometimes to be horrible people, which speaks volumes about her ability now. Uh, as she became an adult, like she always, like she said, I knew the, I, I had a conscience. Okay. <clears throat> And when you, you know, you listen to her stories about how she's uh, come into her understanding of God and Mary and Christianity or Catholicism, which, which is her choice of how, you know, the religion. It, to me, it speaks more powerfully, like I said, than if it was somebody that was born into this or knew of it as a child. Because she, talk about diametrically opposed. She was at the other, you know how the pendulum swings? She was way on the other end of it. She witnessed it. She practiced it. She saw things. Um, different different schools of mystery. Um, and she recognized it, it. I guess what I'm saying is, you know, like she said, there's a lot of people involved in this with an ego thing going on, like in other things. And there's some of them that never admit to what she came to, to that conclusion that this is, this is not what it is, what I thought it was going to be. Or they, in other words, if they've practiced it or they uh, identify with that or that path, they never get to the point of saying, man, all this time I've been wrong. Um, all this effort or this, whatever they've put into it, I was wrong. They, 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 they just, they, they never go there, even though maybe there's something inside them, their soul, their mind or something that's telling them, you know, this, this is not what it's supposed to be. That pull, they never answer it because admitting to mistakes. And I had that moment of truth where I saw my life flash before my eyes. Uh, maybe I realized mistakes I had made or the people I had hurt, you know, whatever. Let me tell you, that's a very, very difficult, if you have a conscience, that is. And some people, there's not everybody who's willing to do that. 
and they basically go through the motions later on, maybe uh, involved in certain practices because, oh man, I've been doing this for so long. I'm not about to admit that, boy. And hopefully, hopefully you're thinking, I don't want this to be, how can I say it? Can you imagine if you've been practicing whatever it is, occultism, whatever, Luciferianism, Satanism, whatever, I don't care, whatever, whatever. And all this time you've been like um, talking bad about the Christians or about God or about Jesus or whatever, or Mary, you know, like, as a matter of fact, you might have even like, you know, targeted them. Come to find out, you you realize they were right all along or you really, that that that's the bright path or that's the light or there's the happiness, there is the peace. There's a completeness within the life that we live, which is not supposed to be perfect. Can you imagine? Some egos can never make that jump. They can't. They cannot, you know, make that jump from all that time I was wrong and they were right. Because remember, a lot of times people, and I'm, I'm gonna go with Christianity. There's different faiths, but I'm gonna go with the Christian things, especially lately with, with, with what they're doing with people. Anybody has a spiritual belief or a Christian belief is like, you're superstitious, you don't get it. Um, you know, you, you, you refuse to, um, foul science uh you know it's like what i i can't believe in spirituality and god and believe in science at the same time what it's an either or thing <laughs> it's like you know it's like um i don't know when 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 i see this i think why is it that we are sometimes placed in that position um that it's that 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 i don't know how's this if christians or people that are spiritually or that believe in god and the ten commandments whatever have, are all a bunch of dummies no we they wouldn't bother to try to regulate people that have that belief system they wouldn't and i hate to and i'm going to say it it's demonized it's demonized by hollywood you know um and you know what sometimes you know how they say you need just need eyes to see you, you'll see a lot um of movies or programs where uh, the holy roller is does horrible things but they're doing it in the name of god you know it's like what don't get me wrong i know sometimes that, that people have done horrible things but they make it look like if you're really strong in your faith, either you're stupid or they, they portray it as that these people are closed minded and that they're capable of doing really horrible things because they're in the name of God. It, it, and this, by the way, has been soaked into our society for a long time. And the reason why I say this is that because of I'm, I'm, I'm right there with with Ira in our age. OK, it was very subtle before, but. Um, I'm going to give you a perfect example. Um, back in the sixties. Okay. I remember there was, um, there was, a there was, a you, you would have like regular movies that had 
a religious theme like where angels fear to to tread which was like a i think rosalind russell was like a nun and the kids and there was nothing wrong with it you know it was now it's like uh, if there's uh, any type of Christian or spiritual or God or Mary or anything, it's like they make it look like, like you know, it, either simpletons, you know, that don't know any better. It's like all right, or they use their self righteousness as being religious to do bad things. It's like really, uh, or you know, anyway, uh, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to do my end of the show, uh, weird, uh, whatchamacallit, um, what do they call it? My, my news, my supernatural news thing. And you guys tell me what you think. It's about yellow eyes. All right, hold on. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, there we go. There we go. Yes. All right, guys, let me, let me get this. Okay, reports from the void, yellow eyes. This is, says here on July 25th, 2021, the singular 40 in society received the following email with yellow eyes in the subject line. I have seen something on three different occasions and with three different people, all who witnessed the same thing. I fired a weapon at it twice and one of the times my weapon failed. Two others whom I have met have seen the same set of piercing yellow eyes and described the same experience. These sightings are in Arizona. Our lives have been going downhill since these sightings. One of the witnesses died a mysterious death shortly after. He was a USMC combat veteran. I do not believe it was Bigfoot or Mothman. The being stood over seven feet tall. I could make out a tail and it sits on a perch as though a lion and stands like a man. Wow. I took a step towards it. It took a step back. I will never forget what I've experienced and I will figure out what it is. My experience was nighttime in Arizona in the Bradshaw Mountains near Gladiator Mine, interdimensional being of some sort. Uh, that's Then it goes outside of the body of the email and it says, Investigator Tobias Wayland responded to the witness in an attempt to speak out about these incidents but received no reply. Yellow eyes have been reported in several winged humanoid sightings, including two sightings near Indiana's Prairie Creek Re Reservoir. One from a witness who claimed to have seen a flying humanoid with glowing, -ish, glowing yellowish eyes while on a boat at the reservoir in 2007, and another from someone who reported seeing a winged humanoid with greenish yellowish like eyes only 10 to 15 minutes east of the location in 2011. These sightings took place in the same area as a series of encounters with anomalous amber colored orbs by Indiana resident Gary Patterson. However, Yellow eyes aren't exclusive to wing humanoid reports. And on October 17, 2020, in response to an article covering a reported Mothman sighting at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport, the Singular Fordian Society received an email with a subject line of alien reptile-looking humanoids. That email contained a report of an encounter with beings that were crossed between like an alligator and a man, but without a long snout, more like a human's face with eyes that were bright, brightest but also darkest yellow. The report was ultimately published in reports from the void due to the witness not responding to follow-up emails for more information. Reports from the void is a repository to share those stories for which we do not have enough information to make a full report. All right. 
that's unusual. And now you can ask yourself, are we talking, are we talking space? Are we talking interdimensional? Are we talking demonic? Like was she, um, well, in that report, part of it where she's saying that the people that witnessed it, things went downhill for them. And then you can ask yourself, well, how does that work? I mean, if you witness something, if you see it, I, it's not like, okay, you saw it. It's almost like, you know, like whoever looked at the Medusa turned into stone. It's like just by the simple act of seeing it, that was enough. You know, unusual, huh? Yeah. All right, guys. Again, go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com, MarlenePardo.com for information, links to everything. And um, I look forward to, to seeing you next week. I have, again, a lot of great guests coming on. And uh, I truly appreciate the time that you spent. Take care. You're all wonderful.